are listening live to the program. Your teams, your town, your program. And now, wondering if the Royals' new partnership with Quick Trip means buffalo chicken rollers in the press box, Seren Petro. Right you are, Kay. Right you are. Petro on the program on Sports Radio 810 WHP. Thank you for joining us here on the Wednesday edition. We come to you again from a beautiful surprise, Arizona, spring training home for your Kansas City Royals. We're going to hear from a lot of the Kansas City Royals today. Jam-packed program when it comes to Royals conversation. First of all, Todd Lee will be with us in the uh, 3 o'clock hour, but starting in the 4, Daniel Mack uh, heads up the analytics department, the newly expanded analytics department for the Kansas City uh, Royals. We'll talk about that expansion that went on. Uh, this past off season and what exactly Daniel Mack does uh, for the Kansas City Royals. Seth Lugo, uh, one of the new starting pitchers, will be with us in the 4 o'clock hour. Cole Reagans coming your way. The, uh, I don't know, dare we say ace of the Royals staff. J.J. Piccolo, the general manager who was very busy this offseason, will be with us. What the hell does a bench coach do? We'll ask Paul Hoover because he's a bench coach. What do you what would you say you do around here? We we answer that question. The question you've been wondering, why is that guy always sitting next to Matt Quatrero and what the hell is he doing? We answer that question today. It goes no further. What what are we pushing two hundred years of hundred and seventy five yep. years of baseball? Question's never been answered. Today. We will have answers to two questions. What is a winning streak and what does a bench coach do? We will answer the two biggest questions society has known. Yes. It's what we do, people. We get answers for you. Uh, we will uh, wrap things up. Uh, Jack Johnson will be with us. Uh, we'll uh, we'll do the kicker uh, with Jack and uh, get our, our final thoughts as we leave. We're going to bring back. We've got more interviews. Can't even Can't play at all. Can't play it all today. More Royals baseball, even when I come to you from Kansas City tomorrow. Don't even know how. So, uh, don't know how. I don't know how we'll do it. I'm going to put it in my suitcase, which is stuffed as full as you can uh, stuff a carry-on suitcase. <laughs> I did better, but I still slightly overpacked. Coming home with uh, several uh, clean shirts. Uh, did not even do laundry. Perfect, like, perfect pack uh, on that. Could have done laundry. Didn't do laundry. Didn't need to do laundry. That's the most important uh, part to uh, answer after that part about not doing laundry. Did not need to do laundry. Didn't skip it. Just didn't need it. Um, so you know that was uh, uh, that was you know, uh, I think a successful packing by me. Uh, so we'll talk a lot of Royals baseball. We'll talk some Royals baseball here in a minute. Let's start, Curtis, mm-hmm. with your Missouri Tigers. Oh, oh yeah. What what would you say <laughs> they do here? Uh, they do um, a lot of what they did last night, and that is occasionally be competitive, occasionally not be competitive, and in the end lose. And that was uh, was more or less a microcosm. Um, led actually one of the things they did last night they haven't done very often. And that's lead at home. They've been as bad as they've been on the conference season. They've actually been worse at home, particularly of late. I think last night snapped a string of three or four consecutive home games, which they trailed by at least twenty at some point in the game. And um, but they led it to half, led by seven, I think, late, and then the better team kind of found itself. And and one of the better players found himself. 
And once Tennessee got ahead, I think you people kind of realized it was a good five, six, seven, eight. It wasn't going to happen for Mizzou, and they hit some shots at the end, hit four of their last five to make it a five point game at the end. But uh, for the thirteenth time in thirteen conference games, they lost. But that's what they've been doing for two, two months. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's not pretty. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, Arkansas on the road Saturday, on the road with Florida next Wednesday, a week from today, or is it Tuesday, twenty eighth? What's the twenty eighth? Uh, be Wednesday. Wednesday next Wednesday. Uh, Ole Miss at home the following weekend. Fourteenth ranked Auburn. By the way, Florida now at twenty four in the rankings. Uh, Auburn fourteenth rank on March fifth, and then they go to LSU on March 9th. So. Uh, just five more opportunities to get a win uh, in conference, and uh, LSU at five and no Arkansas at four and nine, the worst of that bunch. So they've got to play four and nine Arkansas. They've got to go two eight and four Florida. Talking league records here, of course. Uh, they've got uh, Ole Miss in their barn. The uh, the Rebels are six and six. Um, Auburn. Uh, right now, at 14th ranked in the country, stands at nine and four in the league, and then wrapping up with LSU, uh, who is uh, five and seven. The one, uh, one of two teams, I guess. I, I don't know why I keep wanting to put it because Arkansas was so good for so long. Mm-hmm. It's just shocking to see them down there. But yeah, you know, uh, the the opportunities to get a dub are, are few and far between now. They are, and um, I think one of them will be Arkansas for one reason that um, I was doing some numbers because I've had a lot of people, you know, what would it take for Dennis Gates to get fired? What do you think of the fact that they're winless? Are they really this bad? And so earlier today I did a little deep dive, and I found that of the teams in the six power conference leagues, uh, there are nine schools that in conference play – have a point differential of minus 9 or worse. Missouri, by the way, is minus 10.08. So essentially about 10 points a game. I wanted to see where Missouri at 0-13, being the only only one other, by the way, only one other team is winless. That's DePaul at 0-14. So where do they rank? Actually, pretty good amongst that group. There are actually five teams in power conferences that have a worse point differential on average in conference games than Mizzou, and they are West Virginia, who's four and nine, Arkansas, who's four and nine, Vanderbilt, who's two and ten. So there's two teams in the SEC that have been getting beat by larger margins than Missouri has. Georgetown, how about Ed Cooley? That 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 hasn't gone as planned. Almost fifteen points a game they're losing by at uh, Georgetown, and then the king of the hill or the valley, DePaul, who was 0-14, losing by an average of 24 points a game. The other three that are around nine, Michigan, Louisville, and Oklahoma State. So 0-13 is clearly bad, but the numbers suggest that they've been in a lot more games than your average team that would be winless at this point in the season, and maybe they haven't been playing quite as bad as the, the record would suggest, but even if you look at that bright light and at the end of the tunnel and think it's not an oncoming train, it's still a pretty tiny bright light. And losing by an average of ten points a game in conference play, regardless of what your record is, is not is nothing to be proud of, and is certainly a sign of of, of major problems. But there have been some teams, even in their own conference, who've actually been playing worse basketball consistently uh, than Missouri. Um. 
How many? How many are worse? Yeah. Five. Five. Yeah. Five. Out of out what, of eighty, what would yeah? Because because the Big East is in that group as well, right? Yeah. When you say power conferences, you're adding mm-hmm. it's not just the football power conferences; yep. it's the Big East as well. Yep. Um. So they're seventy sixth. <laughs> like I said, it's, it's a very small. I do want white to know, light. One of the teams in that list, Gary Parrish took an unsolicited shot at yesterday during his talk with Seren. DePaul. Yeah. And that's unbelievable. Twenty. They are 10 points worse than the next worst team in average margin of, of defeat. But the fact that two, I think what was notable to me wasn't it that there were only, there were five, because obviously, but the fact that there are two teams in their own conference that are worse. By the way, just as a sidebar, DePaul is the worst power five team in the world. And uh, because I've checked the the other uh, collegiate leagues overseas, um, worst Power Five team in the world, <laughs> and and they have Chicago as a talent base, mm-hmm. and the um, I think it it should uh, who's our guy? Uh, we love him, the Illinois coach, K State guy, um, Brad Brad Underwood. Underwood thank you, yeah. uh, Brad Underwood. Uh, Trust me, is at Illinois and has to try to recruit that city as well. Does that just tell you how hard it is to go recruit Chicago? Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, they're in Chicago and they can't get it done. When Loyola, who's also in Chicago, made their run, they did it with Kansas City kids. Yes, the two best players are from KC. So I mean, it is like kind of staggering how screwy Chicago Northwestern had never made the tournament right uh, until right. like a couple of years ago. I mean. Yep. That is not an easy town no. to try to no. nut to crack, just as a sidebar there. No, but for the Tigers, and of course, and we're going to hear, I know Todd uh, is going to play, uh, we'll bring you Dennis Gates' uh, profanity-laced tirade <laughs> that he unleashed in postgame. I was appalled. I'll, really. I'll call it profanity-inclusive tirade. Yeah, because it's one profanity. Mm-hmm. Um Listen, I don't like but it. But it was the think, big one. I yeah, I don't think it's a good look, but I no. you know, I could really care less. Um but I know some people are upset and you got a right to be upset. You know, I I, I don't know that I, I you know, I, I since they're paying the kids, I mean, hey kids, your boss might drop an F bomb. Welcome to the real world. And yeah. since you're getting paid now, I got a le- lot less, you know, um well, this is amateur athletics and these are just kids. Uh, they can vote. They can go to war. For sure. Uh, and they can get paid. Uh, they can and, hear an F-bomb. And that's one of the issues that I have. I, I've st- it, I'm reading fewer of them, but I'm still occasionally seeing someone get, well, when he gets his kids in there, you know, he's got this class coming in. And I'm just like, I, I, that, I'm unmoved by that because for two I, reasons. I, I, am, I am open to that. I am open to that because I, I don't know that it's smart, right? I, I, I'm not saying it's going to work. Mm-hmm. But I am open to the to the again. I think you you gotta kick ass in the portal. I, I just think you gotta yes. do it. I don't I don't think there's any other uh, any other way. I think that's the modern age of basketball. And if, if you don't like it, you know, no way, get lost. Uh, to quote the great Jack Harry um, that he said many moons ago. Um, but you know, I, I I will if you're gonna hire the coach. First of all. I do think if he goes winless in conference and Mizzou wanted to fire him, I think they're justified. Let me say that first of all. I don't think you have to be like, well, we're, we can't, we got to give him three or four years. 
winless in conference, like I said, in the transfer portal era. I mean, it's really bad. It's really, really bad. If if I hired him, I wouldn't fire him. That, to me, brings up the other part of the equation is, like, Desiree Reed-Francois could watch no more. He sent her all the way to Arizona. <laughs> that That's a joke, <laughs> yes. right? Maybe not the right time for it. Yeah. But uh, my point is simply... Desiree Reed-Francois hired him. Whoever is going to make the evaluation on his season is not going to be the person who hired him. Nope. And I, where I, I have no problem, I would not, if I hired him, if I were Desiree Reed-Francois, and at the end of the year he went 0-16 oh, or 18? 18. 18. Uh, 18. If he goes 0-18 oh, in the league, I would not fire him because there is a quality class coming in. Quality. And it's getting it's it's overall rank. I mean, he's got the number four overall class in the country, according to uh, 24-7 is based on depth more than it is high end. Yes. I mean, national ranks, 96, 93, uh, no, no, that's, I'm sorry, national ranks, 25, uh, 57, 64, 100, 138, right? And and I think when the big boys land, it's going to end up being 12 or 15, maybe, maybe as low as 20. Uh, it's not going to rise. It's only going to fall when the big boys uh, of the class start landing where they are. So it is going to tumble down, but it's still going to be a very good class. I don't want to make any any bones about it. And if he thinks he can recruit, um, you, you know, high school kids and build us through the high school and he can retain them, great. You know, then it's going to take some time. And if I hired him, I wouldn't fire him. I'd keep going. But I do think it's it's a little different when somebody else, there's going to be a new sheriff in mm-hmm. town who maybe you hire an AD who's – yeah, you know, like I know uh, Laird Beach, right? He's from Memphis. Yep. I don't think he's bringing Penny Hardaway. I think Penny Hardaway is a Memphis or bust uh, type of coach. I don't think, and I don't think you should hire Penny Hardaway away to replace Dennis Gates because I don't think he's done enough in Memphis to warrant replacing Dennis Gates with Penny Hardaway. But you know, if it's an associate AD at Purdue and there's some hot shot assistant that you know is the recruiting guru for Purdue, you know, like 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 the guy at Arizona. I sorry, I'm trying to blank his name, but uh, came Tommy, down Tommy good, Lloyd. Tommy Lloyd. The guy who was Tommy Lloyd uh, yeah Mark was Hughes the recruiting guy for yeah. Gonzaga. Yeah, the right hand man uh, up there for Mark Few. You know, like if you hired and you got a guy and you know he's nails, you're completely just, hey, listen, and we can quit screwing around. One in seventeen you're justified. Not like one wins. Like, well, he got the one win. You can't fire him. Like, <laughs> nah, 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 this season is bad enough. Win. Yeah, this season is bad enough that a new athletic director who who wants to bring in his own guy would be completely justified. So, barring five straight wins, it'll be on the table for the new AD to evaluate and decide whether or not to go a new direction. But, you know, if I'd hired him, I'd stay the course because I do like the, the talent that he's got coming in, but he's got to develop it. But, I mean, I don't know how many seven-footers he's going to recruit that don't play well and aren't really that good. Yeah. And, and the issue I have, and it's not that I have an issue with him having a good class coming in. I don't mean that. But but the issue I have well, but, but with – can, can I – let me just finish this thought. Sure. Sorry oh, to interrupt I th- you. I thought you were done. But, but when Trent Burns is 7'3", 210 pounds, and he's ranked 100th nationally by 24-7, I'm assuming he's not coming in – with, this is not Christophe Porzingis that's <laughs> right. landing in Mizzou. Right. right. A lot of his 100th ranking is that he's seven feet, three inches tall. Mm-hmm. And so that's great. And, and listen, that's the Leonard Hamilton way. That's a little bit of the Jim Beheim way. When in doubt, take the taller kid, get some length. We'll get some arms out. We'll get some turnovers. We'll get some block shots. You know, I, I get it. It's a philosophy and it's an approach. But some of them got to be able to play. 
And and so a little bit of this class, I'm like, you know, the other kid, 57, Ashley, Peyton Marshall, seven foot three hundred. I mean, he didn't, you know, we'll see what 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 these kids ends up looking like. But yeah, it's it's kind of questionable right now. Yeah, the issue I have isn't it's in regards to the um, to the class. It's it's one as you noted. Um, it's probably not likely to stay up there because it is built largely on volume and not necessarily um, top-end talent. Two, even if it does stay up there, it's in an era where having the top four recruiting class isn't as valuable as it was before. You know, ten sure. years ago, that having the number four overall class was fantastic. It isn't quite as valuable as it is now. He did not do well in the portal this past offseason, and I can't imagine going 2-16 and 16 or whatever they ended up being is going to make him crush it in the portal this year. So he's going to come back next year with either a lot of guys who weren't particularly good this year, some guys who could have played of a lot of other places or couldn't play anywhere else and come to, came to Mizzou in the portal, and a really young recruiting class that you hope is going to be really good. Rough yeah, spot to I, be in going into a must-win year. And it will be a must-win year next year, yes. regardless of what happens this year. He's, I'm not going to say he has to make the tournament, but you know he's got to play postseason basketball. I mean, I don't, I don't think you can you – know, there has to be an end to this. Like, oh, well, we need five years to put this all together. Like, mm, no, you'll be in year three. There needs to be returns. And, and go ahead. Well, I just the, – the further – and the, the more you don't see a season like this out of um, a different conference, of course, but the more you don't see a season like this out of Jerome Tang, now they're probably not going to the tournament, but they could very well. I mean, his first year, they're a three seed. They go to the Elite Eight and probably going to follow that up with at least some sort of postseason appearance, probably going to the NIT. I mean, there's a, there's a very clear local comparison you can make to a guy who was hired in the exact same hiring cycle. You don't get five years anymore. Those days are in the past. Might have lost Seren. Uh It's all right. Well, uh, well, you tell me. How close were we to a natural break point? Is this a, a part where we yeah, should... Yeah, let's go ahead yes. and hit the break. Oh, there he is. Oh, he's back. Yes. Okay. We got you, yes. Seren. Uh Yes, we do. We do. The uh, okay. connection went down. Uh, I didn't hear your point, uh, but uh, well, it was about Jerome Tang. Yeah, my point was just that, you know, as far as uh, not needing a five-year window to, to really judge this thing, you know, you don't – my line of point was just you don't – whoever replaces Desiree Reed francois does not have to look very far for an example of a guy who had a terrific first season – and followed that up with, in K-State's case, what will probably be an NIT appearance, but still a, a postseason appearance of some sort. They certainly didn't fall off the cliff. The Missouri fell down. So you don't need to look far for an example of a guy who was in the same hiring cycle who did have a successful first year and at least kept the program afloat in his second year. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And... You know, the, the guy's going to make the evaluation. You know, does he does he have – if you've got a rock star candidate that you know you can land, then you make a move, right? This season will be bad enough that you can do that. If you don't and you're hiring a prospect, then there's a reason to stay the course yeah. with Dennis Gates. And, you know, it, but it's it's getting rough. And I, and I don't think the outburst – I mean, like, is that going to help his team? We've seen him chastise, you know, uh, one of his players right there at half. 
the Arkansas game. Ah, we have some again some technical difficulties. We'll uh, we'll get those ironed out in the break. This is a natural stopping point, um, and we'll return with more of the program. Their final day in Surprise Arizona. It's next on the program. All right, welcome back here to the program here on Sports Radio eight ten WHB. Seren Petro in Surprise, Arizona. We'll hear from Jack Johnson coming up a little bit. We can take your phone calls right now at 913-310-810. The phone number 913-310-810. Down goes Missouri again. Uh, Dennis Gates goes to the let's drop an F-bomb on the press conference uh, card. Let's see if that works their next time out. Uh, Eric Hosmer calls it a career. Uh, your thoughts? Do you think? Do you think the timing is like... Had somebody called, he would have answered the phone and Todd, gone. Todd said when we were talking off air earlier today, he goes, did Eric retire or did the league tell him he was retiring? <laughs> I, listen, I, Eric Hosmer was a favorite of mine. Um, stand-up guy, always at his locker, yep. always happy to do the interview, and uh, was a world champion here with the Kansas City Royals. So I got nothing bad to say, but I am kind of shocked that, you know, after he got the giant contract with the Padres, coming off a very good year. By the way, I know it didn't end up being great, but his last year with the Royals, he played in every game, 671 plate appearances. He had 192 hits, 31 doubles, 25 homers, drove in 94. His slash line, 318, 385, 498 for an 882 at age 27. It looked like... He was headed into becoming like that was going to be the norm for like the next five years. And the gold glove. And, for the, and a gold glove, right? 14th in the MVP voting. Uh, OPS plus 133, which means he's basically 33% better uh, than the average at his position. You know, that's one way to look at it. 33 points more of, of OPS mm-hmm. uh, than, than the average. Um, and when he struggled. The, the first year in San Diego, 253, 322, 398, 398, the slug was down to. I thought, you know what he's going to do? He, he's going to, you know, he's got the the contract that he can lean on, right? So now he's he's going to rework a swing. He's going to try to lift the, the baseball, and we're going to really see him unleash the power. At six feet four inches tall and athletic, uh, we were going to see him just, I, I thought, kind of go J.D. Martinez, and figure out how to lift the ball and not hit so many on the ground, never happened. Nope. Never happened. I, I'm, I'm shocked slug that he didn't try After it. he left the Royals. I mean, that's, you know. We did another numbers crunching uh, earlier, and he had his war for his career was just a little over 18, which is a fine major league season, or major league career, excuse me. Of that, over 16 came with the Royals. Yeah. I mean, I mean he talk was, about the Padres buying at the wrong time. Yeah. I had a, a person who's friends with a general manager tell me, and I didn't want to hear this at the time, but that when the Padres signed him, uh, this one general manager said, well, they just did the Royals the biggest favor they could possibly do. That's great news for the Royals. And he was dead right. Yep. He was dead right. Yep. I hate to say that. I wish Eric Hosmer had had a phenomenal finish to his career. But, um, yeah, it, 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 I mean, can you imagine if you'd had Hosmer hitting like that in addition to – it wouldn't have helped the Royals much. 
with him over at first base and you know how how much would he have gone from being a world series hero to being a goat now the city of san diego thinks he's a uh, you know a goat uh, not a goat i guess goat has a new term as greatest of all time yeah, right. but, uh, you know a lowercase goat yeah a heel uh but in kansas city he'll forever be a champion and so when they you know, next year when they have a 10-year reunion of that World Series team, which, by the way, who's left playing from that World Series team? Wow. Salvi and who? Do you have someone that's, that you know is? No, or, I, just, or I just, it just oh, I see. Uh, came to my head that, like, yeah, there ain't nobody left from that team. Was, really. was it just as recently as last be. year that Escobar was on the Nationals? No, that's been a little bit. He, I think he might have been playing in Mexico. I think he's still playing, but I don't think he's playing in the big leagues. Let me, I'm going to uh, that team. Let's see if I can catch a name here. Hold on, 23. Let's get here. Here's the Royals history. 2015. Let's see if anybody here is left playing from that team. Well, I don't know who it would be. Salvador Perez, Eric Hosmer, Omar Infante, Alcides Escobar, Mike Moustakis. Is Moose on it? roster he was la- last year i don't know where he is now but he did make yeah, but it this year no i don't i don't know if he is this year his most recent team was the angels at the end of last year but i have no idea alex gordon lorenzo kane alex rios kendris morales ben zobris paul orlando gerard dyson christian cologne drew butera chesler cuppert johnny gomes francisco pena dusty coleman eric kratz terrence gore might be kicking around to the minors still Orlando Kalixti, the uh, the pitching side of the equation. Um, Edson Volquez, Jordano Ventura, Jeremy Guthrie, Danny Duffy, Chris Young, Johnny Cueto, Greg Holland. Kelvin Herrera is not still pitching, is he? I don't believe so. By the way, Mike Mustakas was signed to a minor league contract by the White Sox six days ago. He's looking to get a, a major league deal, but he's not on a major league roster. Okay. Wade Davis, Ryan Matson, Franklin Morales. Chris Medlin, Luke Hochaver, Jason Vargas, Joe Blanton, Brandon Finnegan, Jason Frazier, Johan Pino, Miguel Almonte, Scott Alexander, Jabba Chamberlain. Pitch for this team? He did. In 15? 14. Five and two-thirds innings. No, 15. Oh, 15. Okay, I thought we were looking at 14. No, I'm looking at the, the championship team. Nine years ago, Jabba Chamberlain pitched on this team. Good wow. Lord, I don't remember that. I don't five and two-thirds, six hits, five runs, five earned, Holy a smokes. homer, four walks, and eight Ks. Uh, Aaron Brooks, Michael Marriott, and Lewis Coleman. I don't. I think it's Salvi and Moose. Yep. Wow. And, you know, you mentioned you know, a World Series hero, but he was more uh, not just the, the – the player, but everyone who was around, I mean, just, just a, a team leader, which you aren't normally at 24 and 25 years old. And that was always, from the time he got here, like part of his DNA. We've always heard people who followed him to the minors, and even when he first arrived, everyone was like, whatever group he was in, like he was the leader. He was the guy from the time he was in high school. People mentioned that about him. And those those characteristics played out through his entire Royals career, so it wasn't surprising that when they got really good, that he was he was the man. Yeah, uh, and an amazing man. postseason player for the Royals. One guy in the big leagues and one guy in a minor league contract is all that's left of the 2015 Royals. That's uh, and it's well, one like it was you know 
10 years isn't, or nine years isn't uh, to five minutes ago, but you'd think there'd be some, yeah. some sprinklings more than that. Well, I mean, it, it does speak to how it was a window, a window sure. of opportunity. And they yep. cashed with two uh, AL pennants and a World Series. So uh, pretty impressive that they got that done. 913-310-810, the phone number. Let's talk to Tracy. He wants to chime in. Uh, Tracy, you're in the program. What's up, brother? Hey, how you doing, my friend? Good, man. What's on your mind? Hey, got a question for you. All right, so I was reading something the other day about Lynette Woodard. Uh, everyone knows she's from uh, Wichita, Kansas, and the University of Kansas, great. Uh, uh, she has 3,600 3, and some odd points. Caitlin Clark, which everyone knows, she just broke the scoring record here a couple, a couple weeks ago. And, and she's a very good basketball player. I guess my question is, should the records from the 80s count in women's basketball? Yes. Because what I could yes. find, they said that they didn't count or keep the statistics of women's basketball in the, in the early 80s until 81 or 82. What's your thoughts on that, my friend? Uh, you know what, Tracy? Uh, 100% they should count. We have accurate records. We're not going back to the 1880s and trying to find the box score sure, sure. Of, of some exactly. guy that, you know, like I, I get it where, like, you know, most all baseball records, although we do have Cy Young guys that, that pitched before the two turns of the century ago uh, that, are, that are in the mix, but overall... The modern era is like 1901 on for, for baseball, 1902. Like, whenever the World – Curtis, when was the first year of the World Series? 03. 03. That's kind of like considered like, okay, this is modern baseball. Just like I think one day football is going to be viewed as the Super Bowl era forward, right? We, we still measure everything and who won the most Super Bowls. Nobody gives credit to, you know, the Packers for Curly Lambeau's championships. But we're not talking about – but part of that's because – you know, teams would fold mid-season. I mean, you know that—that's not that wasn't going on in women's basketball. And absolutely, her record. And I think you will see ESPN mention it if and when Caitlin Clark passes it. That Lynette Woodard's name will be brought up. And 100%, we have accurate box scores. We we you know we know exactly what happened. There's no reason for the statistics of women's basketball to not go back much much further. Thank you, my friend. I just wanted to hear your comment on it. Have a safe travels back home, my buddy. Hey, thank you, Tracy. I appreciate it. It is. It, I mean, isn't it like? Yes. I, like for one, I think at some point, and I gotta, I gotta remember his name because I actually got to have dinner with him at the Liddell uh, Library when he's part of the analytics uh, conference. I was down there. By the way, they've got a football analytics conference coming to the uh, Liddell Hall Library, and uh, our very own Eric Eager scheduled to be a part of the uh, panel there. So looking forward to that. Since the Freeland, who you hear on the uh, zone, is scheduled to be a part of that as well. That's coming this summer, so make your plans uh, to uh, be a part of that. But the, the founder of Baseball Reference, great guy, uh, you know, they keep digging back further. Like, they're almost, to me, becoming the official record book of all sports, right? And they have dug back into the football records on Pro Football Reference. Sean Foreman. Sean Foreman, yes, thank you. I got to commit that to memory because great guy, fun guy to, to talk to, smart guy, obviously. Uh, but they dug back in and they have come up with what I love is the number of sacks for Deacon Jones. And, you know, they, they've gone back because there's video. I think they're actually watching the games and putting together box scores. And so the NFL does not recognize anything before 82. And the sack record, I think one day they will. 
I think I think Deacon Jones and Buck Buchanan's and all the guys that you know played before will start to get acknowledgement because I don't know why you wouldn't you know have those records count. Yeah. Right, if you've got video of the games and you can see the quarterback was tackled behind the line of scrimmage by this player, that's a sack. That's officially a sack by the modern standards. So go back if you've got video and NFL Films has video of like every NFL game since NFL Films was was created. You should have those records. We should acknowledge the accomplishments of those in the past. And women's basketball, a hundred percent, it is an insult. It is an insult that Lynette Woodard's scoring record is not acknowledged. And it's even worse with the women's college basketball situation because it's one thing to say if there was a structural change in the way the game was played or the way, you know, number of teams or whatever, or in the case of the sack, a stat that wasn't officially kept at all. Points have been kept. The only change from 81 to 82 was the governing body that oversaw women's college basketball. It went from the Association of Intercollegiate Athletics for Women to the NCAA. That's it. And it's, it was, the name over the the name over the door changed essentially, and suddenly everything began to be counted. But every the sport operated exactly the same in both situations. The only and to, to sort of further that, excuse me, the only extensive difference is that it's it's sort of a mark against the NCAA. But everybody, I mean, all of society, sort of was was took a long time to recognize women's sport, women in a lot of yeah. cases, um, and, and sports is no different. So I mean that that I think is the biggest thing is that the difference is that it was. Uh, is that it, it? It points out that it took the NCAA a really long time to, you know, recognize these things. Mm-hmm. It, it is. It is. It, the NCAA could actually earn itself a lot of credit if they'd be like, "We're going back, and we're we're going to do our due diligence, and with the help of some smart people and video and box scores, we're going to acknowledge every record we can in women's athletics as far back as we can go." Yep. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Why? Why? I just don't understand. Why wouldn't you? How more so can you be insulting to women than being like, "Well, it doesn't count until we started watching your games." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, we put a name. That we really put a boils. label on it. Yeah. It didn't exist before. That really boils it down. <laughs> yeah, Tracy, thank you for bringing that up because we did talk about it, and we talked about how far Caitlin Clark has to go to pass Lynette Woodard, and that we. You know, like that, those are historic marks and those are going to be very important as well to Caitlin Clark. But I'm glad you brought it up again, Tracy, because it does, it just speaks to how ridiculous. You know, this is why people don't like the NCAA, right? Like, well, probably not. More so they don't like it when their team does something wrong and they get caught. But, but this is where the NCAA truly shows its experiment. Right, is yeah. not in women's sports because it wasn't on our wall. We didn't think they were good enough, and they weren't good enough to be recognized until we got on board in '82. <laughs> is unbelievably insulting. Yes, ridiculous. <sighs> Thanks, Tracy. I was yeah. trying to have a nice mellow day, <laughs> and then all of a sudden. <laughs> Now, I will say this. It's so wound up. And it's going to be... Enjoying the cloud cover here at the ballpark, you know, now, no. And no. and Caitlin Clark is going to pass Lynette Woodard, and it's going to be an amazing achievement when she does. And and we did the numbers on... Um, on uh, and she probably will pass... Uh, LSU, golly. Pete Maravich. Pete Maravich. Pete Maravich. She's probably going to pass him, and that's going to be an incredible achievement. So, And I, I, I hope, and I don't think anybody is, it certainly is not... Uh, anti Caitlin Clark, 
because she's going to pass both of no. these. But it, it, it's going to be a spectacular achievement. I think it's it's somewhat also doing her a disservice because um, they they did a huge celebration when she passed Kelsey Plum, who was the NCAA leader uh, who played at Washington. And that's that's outstanding. It's terrific she did that. But I don't know that she's go- that it's going to be as huge of a deal should be. when she does pass Lynette Woodard. And it should be because the number's bigger. Yes. 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 She'd absolutely yes. be as big. And, yeah. I, I hope at Iowa they make a big deal of it. I think they will. Because you'll be making a big deal out of women's basketball. That's what you'll be doing. Yep. And anything, not, not I mean, the, the, the little boys, the little boys club that is the NCAA. Yeah, exactly. What is and is not a record. You know, they. I mean, you know what? If we can put up banners from Helms Helms titles, then damn it. <laughs> no, but honestly, I I mean, let's all let's all also celebrate that this is happening in our neck of the woods. I I love. I know all of us love anytime something like this is going on in in a. In a quote flyover state that's it's the best i oh, mean it, i absolutely and it's and it's advanced caitlin has has advanced um you know this this sport so much really the sport as a whole has really come a long way in the last decade or so and and caitlin's been a huge part like, of it like and, i said last last week how many how many little girls are pick up a basketball because of caitlin clark that's awesome. And how many would have picked up a basketball because of Lynette Woodard? They just didn't seem, but they didn't feel like they had a, a chance. And now they feel like now they know they have a chance. And she's That's showing fantastic. up in, in State Farm commercials, yeah. like within IL. It's even bigger. She's getting recognized commercially as well. And it's it's a really. I mean, we all kind of. I remember the phenomenon that was Jackie Styles, and it was awesome. Right. And it was cool because she was from Kansas, and she played at Missouri at that time Southwest Missouri State, but what is now Missouri State local. I mean, and that was a phenomenon, and it was awesome. But now it's even bigger because you know, Caitlin Clark's getting out. I mean, that game was was not just cable TV. That was network television that she broke the re- or that she broke Kelsey Plum's record on. And you're you're seeing her in the same company that's putting Patrick Mahomes commercials out there is putting Caitlin Clark commercials yeah. out there. That's cool. And, and th- another note on, on Lynette Woodard and her impact on this. The last year she played was the last year that the NCAA didn't cover it. How much was her greatness? Yeah, they watched her. Wow. Did, did that lead to the NCAA going, maybe we should we should cover this? That's and a if good that, point. If that played any role, and I can't imagine it didn't, how in the world do they not go back and honor what she did? It's ridiculous. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I it's To me, it's absolutely uh, just ridiculous that uh, we are not that the NCAA is not just diving into it and hopefully Caitlin Clark breaking these records will 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 wake some people up and have them pounding on the door of the NCAA and get them moving towards recognizing all the great accomplishments of women athletes before the NCAA took its head out of its rectum and started you know actually uh, trying to uh, organize and, and promote and, and better women's athletics. It's long overdue for sure. Tracy, uh, thank you for the call, buddy. Uh, that That's great stuff. We appreciate it. Let's take a break. We come back. Uh, Jack Johnson joins us. Uh, we'll talk a little Royals baseball from here in Surprise, Arizona. The Royals uh, spring training. In fact, uh, games get going on Friday, so we're just a couple days away from spring training games. We'll talk about it with Jack Johnson next here in the program. 
The program's coming to you live in Surprise, Arizona today. Uh, our final day here in the Valley of the Sun, but we're going to bring back some more conversations from spring training, so a lot more baseball talk later in the week. Soren Petro, Jack Johnson joins me. He's been on this uh, voyage uh, to Retirement Village, mm-hmm. <laughs> as Surprise, Arizona largely is, uh, which I'm not that far from, so I say it as my peeps. Uh, I'm a little ways away, I hope, but uh, don't let the gray hair fool you. But, uh, yeah, uh, surprise. Lovely town. I encourage everybody to come out here and enjoy some baseball. And uh, weather's absolutely fantastic here. It's uh, got a little bit of a breeze, got some cloud cover, which is kind of nice. It's keeping the temperature. You know, the temperature's not high. It's in the 70s, but when the sun beats on you, mm-hmm. it can feel a little bit warm. you got to wear your sunscreen. You're at altitude as well, people. So make sure you, you know, take some sunscreen. Curtis is, uh, can attest to that as he did not lather up one year i will i will post that picture again now just just so people can yeah remember what remember, a bright red dome looks like <laughs> the human skin is not supposed to be this shade yeah um yeah red bright red <laughs> two no, things curtis uh, knows all about sunscreen and ice balls yeah that's right he does <laughs> Premium cocktail served over ice balls there at uh, Twin Peaks. Curtis, you know all about that. Yeah, I would have rubbed them on my head if I had had them back then. Yeah. Uh, the bullpen, Jack. Let's talk about the bullpen. Uh, new names this year. Will Smith is back. That's not a new name, but, uh, you know, it's an old name that's back with the uh, Royals after winning championships each of the last three seasons. John Schreiber, the Royals just acquired on Saturday. Nick Anderson brought in. Uh, Chris Stratton uh, brought into this team. They, uh, they've added a lot of depth to the bullpen, but is maybe the guy that's got the best chance to be a lights-out closer? Was it MacArthur? Is it McMillan? Is it, you know, what, what do you think of the bullpen right now? Yeah, I think I'd go as far to say that John McMillan, stuff-wise, he's the best pitcher in this bullpen. Uh, he's got such a, a small sample size at the big league level, only four innings last year, and, and I think that you know he was one of those guys that many people kept an eye on in the low levels of the minor leagues because he threw so damn hard, and he got so many swings and misses. Now, the command, kind of like a Josh Stalmont, uh, like a Will Klein as well, who's been in camp, you know, big strikeouts, also a lot of walks. But what I was impressed with, when John McMillan got to Kansas City and had at least four outings uh, at the big league level, he did have command. I don't think he walked anybody. If he did, it was one. He only gave up one home run. And it was to, I think, the second batter he faced, and it was a solo home run at Kauffman Stadium. Other than that, he was about as unhittable as he could be. And I was excited to see him uh, throughout the the rest of September. Jack Johnson likes the big samples. Four innings, he's ready to declare him. <laughs> now the dominant force in relief pitching. Hey. The walks are gone. He didn't have a walk in four innings. We don't have to worry about that anymore. That, that's nice of you. I'm I you. I just think that if there were some odds there to throw down money on, on the guy to, to lead the bullpen in strikeouts or maybe to, to lead the team in saves, he might get my vote. But injuries are a thing you have to watch for. When you have that violent of a fastball, that violent of a delivery, uh, it can be a concern. But going into camp, you know, I had the chance to ask John McMillan just how healthy he is uh, coming in today uh, so far so good had a good progression good build up uh, looking forward to seeing hitters soon and uh, hoping we continue on the track run right now and you're one of the hardest throwing guys in this bullpen right now where do you think you'd rank yourself among the team in terms of your fastball velocity <laughs> 
I guess it would depend on the day, but uh, you know, it's just it's a cool spot to be in. There's a lot of talented guys here, and uh, looking forward to learning from some of the other guys. And uh, you know, the people will come out when it does. And lastly, you were a damn good hitter in college. Everybody knows that. Do you feel like you could still hit at this level? I don't know if it's like a stroke of arrogance or what it is, but <laughs> man, there's I still itch to get in the cage and to get out on the field so much. Uh, don't write it off yet. You know, crazy things have happened. John, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. I don't know if you knew about this, Petro, uh, but there's a video out there from John McMillan in college. Well, I, damn good hitter. Where do you where are you for a two way player? Uh, a pitcher? Oh, the, the stats the stats aren't going to back it up there. I, like, are, were you just kissing his ass or what was no, going no, on? No, there? no, no, no. Listen to this: two twenty nine, two ninety nine, five eighty six. He's a pitcher though. He's a pitcher. Uh, as, as a freshman, a sophomore, 143, 242, 286 for a 528 OPS. And then a 154, 154, 462, 650. For a pitcher. OPS. For a pitcher. Okay. All right. So there's a video out there. I don't know about He did, know, he did have uh, nine bombs. Uh, he had 10. 10. 10, ten, home, ten runs. home runs. Yeah. 10 home runs. Um, and one of those actually is out there on YouTube you can find. Left-handed hitter. Hit the scoreboard in left center field down in Lubbock. If you ever had the chance to to see a red rain, oh, everybody down. knows that. that. That's what is it? Two fifteen down the line. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know uh, no, this that. is a, this is a big dude, by the way. Uh, if, if you want to talk about one of the the largest humans in that in that locker room, he's he's a pretty big dude. There's a reason he throws triple digits. Yeah, he's listening. They got a lot of tall guys, a lot of you know basketball wings and stretch fours, college stretch and fours. middle linebackers. Uh, but yes, he. Millen is one of the he's an edge, right? He's 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 coming after the quarterback. Listed at six three, two thirty, every ounce of two thirty. Mm-hmm. And and put together like a brick crap house. Like he is a no joke dude. If there's a brawl Somebody better have their head on a swivel looking for 58 because he's he's going to wreak havoc uh, out there. And he is a big, impressive-looking guy. But you are right about what you said about his you know his his pitching and maybe being the best one of the bunch. Um, if people don't know, and he was a guy that I know, Randy and I talked about on on our podcast. He was I was always watching because I, I love the strikeout numbers. Last year he went from low A to high A to double A. Three stops, uh, throwing collectively, let's see, innings at each level. Uh, about 11, 20, and 21 innings, right? So spread across fairly evenly, especially the last two. Collectively, 51 and a third, 25 walks. That's a little high. Mm-hmm. But you don't mind the 25 walks when it's 91 Ks in 51 and a third. This is a new approach. The Royals didn't used to value strikeouts. To me, they grossly undervalued it, and it was part of the reason why they were lagging behind. They value it with this guy. This guy is lights out. This, if anyone's going to be the, you know, closer on a playoff, mm-hmm. if this team would make its way to the playoffs, this guy's closing at the end. Nickname is the Whammer, by the way. So uh, not only want him on your side for a brawl, you're going to want him on your side in the bullpen. Do you know where that open. comes from? What the Whammer is? I think this is probably where it comes from. In the movie The Natural, the whammer is a is what they call a guy who is basically Babe Ruth, and uh, 
Ryan O'Neill's character. Well, Babe Ruth and John McMillan hit Strikes him out. <laughs> uh, strikes out the whammer. So, there you go. Yeah. I'll have to ask him next time. All right. We'll have to get to the bottom of that. I like it. Jack, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, let's take a break. Todd Lebo gets off his butt. Uh, we'll play the feud. Jack will stick around. It's coming up next. A feud edition coming to you from Surprise, Arizona. We're live in spring training here in AZ. All right, two Detroit Tigers have been named World Series MVP. Name either one. Brought to you by Good Sense.